Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets to Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Everybody, this is Mary Kate Saliva with Veteran Voices. Thank you for joining us today as we've got a wonderful conversation teed up with a veteran and an incredible advocate and just selfless person. Stay tuned for a great discussion. Quick programming note before we get started this program is part of the Supply Chain Now family. And today's show is conducted in partnership with our friends at Vets to Industry. Hi, Brian and the Vets to Industry team. Love y'all. And I wanted to talk about if you do want to check out Vets to Industry, make sure you check out vetstoindustry.org. Learn more about this powerful nonprofit that is serving so many folks. They helped me during my transition and they're absolutely incredible. And an initiative near and dear to my heart, the Guam Human Rights Initiative. You can find them on LinkedIn and guamhri.org. And if you go to LinkedIn, you can find them with the University of Guam under the Regional Center for Public Policy. Okay, without further ado, let's introduce our special guest today. Our guest served in the United States Navy, Great Navy, and she is founder and CEO of Inspirationally Speaking LLC and Unstoppable You Ministries. I'm a longtime fan of hers. And I just am so grateful to introduce her to all of you, Jennifer Foxworthy. Jennifer, hey sis, so glad to have you on Veteran Voices. (laughs) Hello, Mary Kate, I love you. (laughs) You too. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining me on Veteran Voices. Oh, it is an honor, it's a pleasure. I would do anything for you. So it's 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 on and popping, as they say. Well, we were just talking, we were just laughing about how the roles are reversed now. Cause when I was transitioning off the of active duty, you had me come on an episode with you as a panelist speaker. And so now the roles are reversed and I'm gonna give it a shot, you know, a little bit of pressure here since you are the pro host. And uh, but just really excited to get let the world know who you are. And so I'd like to get this show going with some motivation, some inspiration, just as we did when we were on active duty and that alarms went off and we got pumped up by our instructors. Yeah. (laughs) And so do you have something to to share with us today? Something to get us going? Absolutely. Mary-Kate, I have many quotes that inspire me, even scriptures but I wanted to share this one with your audience. It says, it's by unknown. A bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not on the branch, but on its own wings. Always believe. 
So that is the quote for this podcast starting out. I hope it motivates your audience to just believe. I absolutely love that. And just even the visual of just relying on our own wings and what we're already capable of doing our, you know, our giving gifts and just being able to use that is such a blessing. I've never actually heard that quote. So I really love that you shared that with us this morning and today and hope that our listeners today will take that away and be pumped up about it because I know I am. So I'm about to take this. This is the part that I feel like my guests on the show are like, Mercator, are you sure you want to go way back? But I'm like, I'm going to go way back. We're going to, we're going to go way, way back. Instead of just talking about your time in service, I really want to start with your upbringing and where you grew up and, you know, just really get a a glimpse, a window into who you are, where, where you started from, your roots. Well, like you said, my name is Jennifer Foxworthy, and I grew up in York, Pennsylvania. So people think of your South Central Pennsylvania, if you've ever heard of Hershey Park or Harrisburg or even the Amish country, Lancaster. So York is all around those areas. It's a very fruitful county city. I grew up, I would say, poor. I didn't lack, but we did struggle. My home environment wasn't the most conducive for a child. And I tell people my parents were caught in their own adultness. It wasn't that they weren't great people. They just weren't great together. And unfortunately, I inherited that generational curse. And it continues to go back. I went to Catholic school first to eighth grade and then decided that I wanted to go to public school for high school. And I couldn't afford to go to college like the rest of my classmates. I was good in sports, but not fantastic. I was smart, but not to get scholarships or anything like that. And again, painting that picture of low-income housing, government assistance. So I decided at in 10th grade that I wanted to join the Navy. So I was on a delayed entry program for two years. And I'm like, 10th grade, I knew what and I wanted to do. Grade? In in 10th grade, did you end up, and that's the thing about with York, Pennsylvania is when I think of York, I don't think of the water. So the fact that you chose the Navy over the, over the other branches, uh, I, but I I wanted to see if um, during that, that time, did you have anybody that took you under their wing? Did you have any, any sort of lesson learned anecdotes from that time from anybody? I mean, like you said, 10th grade Navy was it a, some guy in a sharp Navy uniform walked into school and said, come join the Navy? Not really. I knew that if I, the crowd that I was hanging around, that if I didn't leave the area, I knew I was smart. And I knew that I had so a lot of potential. And I'm so grateful for my dad's side of the family who were very loving, educated. And they just, when I would see them, they took me in and was just tremendous. However, I knew I would end up maybe a bunch of children because I was promiscuous because of low self-esteem. I was trying to fill that void, looking for love and acceptance because I was bullied throughout my life because of my skin color, being mm. dark skin, my full lips, my basically my outer appearance during that time was not considered attractive. 
and I faced uh, targets, you know, from many people, you know, if kids are cruel, I know that now, but when you're the, in the receiving end and a child yes. and you don't have anyone at home to help you process what you're experiencing, we just internalize it and it comes out in unhealthy ways. So I had a cousin of mine that lived with my grandmother who was going to a local college. And I was like, oh my goodness, you mean black people are educated and could go to college? But I knew that, and she was so beautiful, but I knew that I wouldn't be able to afford college and or had the fortitude to try and get scholarships and all those different types of things. I had a Navy or a cousin that was in the Navy. I had some uncles that were in the service and some other relatives that were in different branches. But I did a, a deduction, like uh, no Army, no Marines, not sure of the Air Force. Deduction, I, I want to see swim. this deduction list. <laughs> yes, I just kind of deduced as far as what would be. A, and I was like, Navy, I can swim. I was a recreational swimmer, but I can swim. And so I chose the Navy and I told my parents that I wanted to go in. So they took me into a recruiter. And there started my delayed entry program for two years. Yeah. And that wow. really helped keep me focused as a young mm. girl. I grew up, Mary Kate, I grew up around, it was not uncommon to grow up with pimps, prostitutes, friends that had several kids or abortions or domestic violence, homelessness. That was my neighborhood. That was my surrounding. So I tell people it's important to expose your children to more than just that because there's a vision beyond their current reality. And because, on, at least on my father's side, I saw the potential that of college and being educated and doing well and having nice homes, I'm like, this is obtainable. So that's, that was my childhood. And just your level of perseverance. I mean, as a child, it is interesting how you said about how you didn't, you realize it now, but you didn't realize it then. I think when we were going through that, uh, just having that goal just helped mm -hmm. you get through all those trials and tribulations that you were experiencing that were of no fault of your own, but just a, a result of the environment that you were in. And you found your way out of that. And, and the thing is, I love because just knowing you is that you ended up going around the world. You've been to so many places and you're back where you grew up. And I just, you know, and, and you think that for other folks who may have gone through what you went through, they would want nothing to do with where, you know, where they started from. But just in knowing you as a person, you're just so humble and you want to give back and you want, you are that inspiration for that little girl that grew up in York, PA, that thinks that there's nothing beyond what's in front of her and what's around her. And so, Gosh, that gives me goosebumps. I mean, just hearing and, and knowing how far you come, but I know our listeners aren't there yet. They're like, what is she talking about? So I, I do want to transition uh, to your, to that time in the Navy and give us a glimpse about, you know, you said where you serve, but for how long did you serve and, and where did you go during that time? Because I knew you had a, a vast career. Absolutely. I didn't 
set out to diversify my portfolio, so to speak, in the Navy, but I definitely, during my 21.7 years, I truly diversified my portfolio. And when I say that, when I joined, I knew that I wanted to retire. I wanted to at least do 20 years. Even Mm -hmm. at that young age, I wanted to make it a career. So my first four years was an ocean system tech analyst, and it was a job that was mainly on land. It wasn't on ships or or anything like that. You could volunteer to maybe go to a Surtas ship, but basically an ocean system tech analyst or OTA, we detected, localized, and tracked enemy ships and submarines. So my very first duty station was ADAC Alaska. Then we had training in Virginia Beach and Damneck, Virginia. So ADAC Alaska. So I'm out there on the Aleutian chain, 18 years old, first, <laughs> first Your duty PA. station. <laughs> I tell you what, this city girl, there's no trees except like 13 trees, nothing but tundra. I'm seeing moose. I'm seeing whales jump out of the ocean. It's cold. I'm, what an experience. I'm closer to Russia than I was to the mainland of the United States. And I grew, I I learned to grow up real quick mm. and rely on the people that I was stationed with. They became my family, you know, dealing with the time distance. So waking up super early or staying up super late to try and talk to your family. Things that people take for granted. I'm like, maybe everybody should be stationed in a remote area for 18 months And then they would truly see that a United States is the greatest country in America. We may have our problems, but when you don't have access to family, when your food has to come on a barge, when you, there's so many things that we have in the mainland that you don't in the remote, you were stationed in Guam. So you, you can imagine what that's like in the spring and summer, it's eight daylight and in the fall and winter it's 18 hours of darkness so definitely a a culture shock then i was stationed would be island washington and then because we were on the the downside of the cold war right is when the military decided we're going to take some of these navy jobs that look for enemy ships and submarines and we're going to start converging them and me being on basically a shore duty or land-based job I accumulated a lot of stuff and to tell me that I'm now going to have to go to a ship go figure Jennifer you joined the Navy I got spoiled (laughs) my first four years I said and then I found out oh I can do this job in airplanes as an aviation warfare operator, AW. So my slick self, I'll put in a package. I'm not going to go with this force conversion to a sonar tech, which is nothing but sea time. I'm actually, I'm not afraid to fly. I'll do it in an airplane. So I put in my package to go air crew, naval air crew. And it was a lot of swimming in my prime. So a lot of learn. As air crew, you're flying in the airplane, you're doing your job in the airplane, and if there's a malfunction, you got to know how to parachute out of that airplane, or if you are on land, how to survive off of the land and swimming. So a lot of that. 
And I didn't re- realize how rare I was, Mary Kate. You're the absolutely class- incredible. Oh, good gracious. It, they classed up every week. There were some African-American, there were some black young men that were in the different classes. But when mm-hmm. I looked to my left or right, I was the only black female, only black female <laughs> for throughout this whole training and the time that I was there. And when I graduated and I actually had got held back because I didn't do my mile swim in the allotted time. So I got put on remedial. And when I was able to redo it, I was able to swim a mile in 68 minutes. Yeah. My side stroke. I would have done drown by then. (laughs) Really? Yes. My side stroke. I did all the laps in the side stroke. Well, putting the apples in the basket, right? Is that what they say? Put put the apples in the basket. And that scissor kick. Absolutely. (laughs) Our legs, that scissor kick. Because women, we got these strong thighs. Oh, yeah. And I just used it to my advantage. I didn't know you could actually sweat in a pool. <laughs> yeah. So all those <laughs> they, laps. I imagine is, that. Did they have yeah, you just so, like, I know this, like I actually talked to a, a woman who was one of the first academy grads and she was talking about how the, the bathing suits were designed at her time to have like a pocket in the front with a zipper to put their menstrual things in there. And I was just thinking like, who designed that? that? And and I was just like thinking like your 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 bathing suit like you were like the you said the only black woman in there was and I'm sure they were like in shorts and stuff but did you get like a special bathing suit that you got just from that time you know just typical regular yep typical black navy swimsuit now there were white females obviously there but yeah as far as dark skin I was it and I found out when I graduated the school. I came off of the field and there was an African-American, I think he might've been a master chief. He was over the, the school, like the training school or the holding part. And he came up to me, he was like, do you know what you just did? And I'm like, or yeah, I I just graduated. He said, you are the first African-American that he is aware that he was aware of to graduate that school in more than 10 years. That's absolutely amazing. And you didn't even know that was the thing that wasn't even like a driving force for you. You're just like, I'm going to do this. Right. I had no clue. I'm not paying attention to other people's skin colors or that I'm different. I'm just trying to get through this school the best that I can. And then to know that I, I dealt with a lot of stereotypes. I had one of the swim instructors tell me that the reason why I struggle with my swim strokes and everything else is because as a black woman, my body type won't allow me to swim like my colleagues. And I'm like, really? Really? So I used his words as my fuel to set a fire in me even more that I'm going to show you. And I did all the swimming evolutions, the running evolutions, climbing up the eight foot wall, basically you think of American Ninja Warrior and I'm having to deal with it looking like a sugar cookie because I'm climbing under, you know, I'm crawling under these, these low barriers and beach sand. So yeah, I look like a sugar cookie. I think that's what they call it. (laughs) So I did it all. And, but I, that was just the beginning of what I would experience over the next 15 years 
where mm. I ended up being the first in three different Navy squadrons based on my gender and skin color as a Naval air crewman. That's, and I, and I'm so grateful that you shared your story because I haven't met anyone else like you. You're the first, even for me, like you're the first one that I know to have had that experience. I mean, you were literally doing a little bit of everything. Some people, so it's like one particular skill that and school that they're getting through, but yours required you to do a vast number of different things and to demonstrate that skill set, not just to, to, for the sake of doing it, but for your safety, the safety of your crew this, and survival. And so absolutely amazing. Very Kate, um, I, I'll so share this real quick with your listeners. So my last three years, I wanted to continue to do something bigger than myself. And I, I went to like a special programs and became a substance abuse counselor. And that was grueling. The training in that in itself is grueling because wow. I was basically a counselor or a therapist for our service members or the, and their families who struggle with abuse and addiction of substances. And many of them were fighting for their careers or losing their mm -hmm. careers, especially if they got DUIs and things like that. So I always wanted to do something bigger than myself. And that's how I ended my career as an E7, a chief petty officer. My mm. last tour was a substance abuse rehabilitation program counselor. In my Naval Air Crew, I was an aviation technician. So I fixed the electronics on the airplane. I flew combat missions in three different wars, Kosovo, Afghanistan, and Iraq. I logged over 3,700 flight hours. So it was rare seeing a, a woman and then a black woman in an aviation flight suit with, I was looking like Tom Hanks, you know, with this aviator's jacket on, walking around base and all eyes are on me. So it definitely faced, I had some challenges, but that's adversity. At the time, it wasn't comfortable because I had leadership who was trying to sabotage my career. They weren't used to someone who looked like me in the aviation field. So military is male dominated. And then in the aviation community, it's Caucasian male dominated. So I just want to paint that picture for your audience right. of what I experienced, but it was a fruitful career. I've been over 27 different countries. I've literally driven around the United States and I've been to 49 out of 50 states. The only state I haven't been to is North Dakota. Well, you got to fix that one. But goodness, yeah, I'm just like, because you see like we have the, the, uh, for the Blue Angels. Did you see that? Yeah. So, I mean, making history, right, as for that first female. I know there's other women that have flown a fighter pilots, but the fact that she's able to, she's going to be flying with the Blue Angels is incredible. Right. And, and it's just like, the, that's why I love when I my family talks about like, what I think about my service. And I love that I get to do this. I get to talk to women like you, the pioneers who were the first to do different things. And so it's just so inspiring for me. It's not something I have to read about in a history book, like we're living it now, but it also amazes me and blows my mind that it's even taking this long, obviously, when you consider right. the, the age of our nation and our military, but it's still, I am grateful to, to serve now, like you said, with the, the greatest militaries and the greatest Navy for you. So I really love, love 
that you give back. I think that it's a testimony to, to where you came from, what you experienced and, and what you continue to do now. And so if you were in, like you said, for our audience today, we may have those who are in transition right now. I would love if you could give them some words of wisdom during, after all those trials and tribulations you went through, sort of what your transition was like. And if you had have any advice for those transitioning now? You know what? I think because of what I experienced and what I've saw, what I've seen throughout my, my military time and then transitioning to the military, that's why I have the brand and the model, Let's Get Fit. That's on the for-profit side for inspirationally speaking. And you right. know, as military, we have, we make an acronym out of everything. So fit is focused, intentional, and thriving. So if I can impart any type of wisdom, you must maintain focus on your goals. And that may mean cutting time out with certain family or friends or keeping people at bay, because if your piece is distracted, you will get off focus. Also, stay intentional once you know what you want to do, take measures by any means necessary to achieve that. So I knew I wanted to be a motivational speaker. Somebody brought to my attention about Toastmasters. I did my research. I was Mm -hmm. like, I think I could benefit from this. And now I've been a Toastmasters for over nine years. It has built my confidence to where I am no longer a podium speaker, but I can walk the stage and I can demand five-figure speaking jobs and speak in front of thousands of people comfortably. That's what Toastmasters did for me. I was intentional. And I also have a bachelor's in communications. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm just going to, like a lot of people, I want to be a motivational speaker. And they just think getting up to a microphone and that's it. But they don't understand it's a craft. And I study my craft. I work at my craft. So I was intentional. And therefore, because I'm focused, intentional, now I'm able to thrive because I don't want to just exist as an entrepreneur, as a motivational speaker, or having a nonprofit. I want to thrive because what I do impacts others. So that's the wisdom that I would impart to your audience. And in such a positive way, too. And did you know your so-called why as you were transitioning? Like, I know you wanted to give back, but was there sort of a turning point where you're like, this is what I want to do? I knew that I wanted to get in the realm of human services, especially after being a substance abuse counselor. Right. And dealing with those theories, Maslow's hierarchy or motivation to change and just all those different things to help people see a better way of life. That I am a people person. I love people. I'm a super extrovert. So you can imagine during COVID and shutdowns, I didn't do very well. I had to find an escape and going out in nature was my self-care going glamping, mm-hmm. so to speak, with my family. That was... No animals, right, Jennifer? No animals. <laughs> oh, right? You know, exactly. <laughs> I don't want them in my home, but I'll go in their home. Go figure. <laughs> so, but that was the situation is I want people to live their best life. And as a Christian, 
you know, if it draws them closer to Jesus Christ, then so be it. But just to provide that hope that all people are not bad and to restore their hope in humanity. But regardless of what their faith is or not faith is, I love people. I just, I just want to see people doing well. And as you know, Mary Kate, people experiencing hard times, emotional, mental abuse and neglect, and we're all over the map with our, our wellness. How can I be that change agent? For someone to be like, wow, if Jennifer can do it, so can I. If Mary Kate can do it, so can I. We're touchable. We're humble. Yeah, we really engage and interact with people. So that's what I want people to see. Like, oh, if I reach out to Jennifer and say I need a mentor or something like that, I'm going to respond. And I'm going to make time for that person because I would want people to make time for me. And that's my driving force. That's absolutely beautiful. And I can definitely say that you were somebody that during my transition just last year, Kimberly Jennifer, I haven't even been out of, uh, off of active duty for a year yet. It hasn't even been a year yet. And it's just, but I know when I was transitioning, I still hadn't figured out what I wanted to do. And I was, so sometimes it's hard to figure out where to start. It's like, okay. Right. And, and then we may have all the confidence in the world because, you know, we served in the military and a lot of us are type A personalities, but it's a real wake up call. And you really have to humble yourself that it's a big world out there. And we're not necessarily accepted in all spaces, but we have to try to find our place. And like you said, even in the pandemic, it was tough. And to find yours in nature, that's so important to have that balance of to go after what we want and be able to give and pour on to others, but also that self-care to balance that out as well. And you were definitely someone that inspired me. I hadn't even heard of Toastmasters and now I'm in Toastmasters because you had just one conversation with you about it. And so that's, you just don't know where one conversation is going to change a life. And so that's why for even for, yeah, and even to just empower and encourage, because never once Jennifer, like in our calls while, um, you know, you were mentoring me, did you ever say like, oh, you probably shouldn't do that. You know, that's not the right answer. It's like, instead you, you had me, you sort of put it in the form of a question of like, is that what you would like to do or, or even introducing me to other things that are out there, other events, because I did come across people that claim to be mentors and I would reach out to them and they're like, that's a terrible idea. They, they really shut down what I wanted to do. And, and then I felt so small and then I would sort of shrivel up and, mm-hmm. and I think it's just important for us to know, to surround ourselves with the people who are going to uplift us and empower us and, be able to help us foster that growth. And um, you're definitely one of them for me, Jennifer. So I'm so grateful to be able to share your story with everybody else so they can see how fabulous you are. You are so amazing. I'm so proud of you. So super proud of you. But you are walking in it. And it's such a delight. And we don't have that jealousy or rivalry when you are around people who truly want to see you win, it's extraordinary. You can take off the mask, the chains, 
whatever holds us back and be like, you know what? Authentically, I know Mary Kate has my back. Authentically, Jennifer has my back. And therefore, you're not afraid to introduce me to another colleague who may need help or, or guidance or whatever the case is. And so another quote is, if you're the only one in your circle doing the inspiring, then you need a new group of friends. Oh, wow. Yeah, we should be able to inspire each other because you definitely inspire me. Well, thank you. And it's, it's, gosh, it's so powerful. And I always say like when I am in a room with, I'd say, especially women, I'm just like, I'm very much inspired. Of course, I have incredible male mentors, but when I am in a group with, with surrounded by a group of women and they're doing just really selfless, incredible things and empowering. I feel like on a different high, <laughs> like I'm on a different level, the adrenaline. And I know they, they tell us it's going to come back down eventually, but that's where it's so good to know who you can call up at any time. And it'll, it'll feel like it was just yesterday that you spoke to him, even if two months, three months go by. Um, but being able to foster that kind of relationship that we look out for one another is absolutely incredible. It's why I love the fact that we're veteran sisters and that we have this relationship unlike any other profession out there uh, that we can always lean on one another and know that we're not going through this alone. And so whether it is something, whether we had a rocky military career and you got caught up in addictions and alcohol, you know, if you're divorced, you, whatever it is, abuse, that to know that it's that's not the end, that there's still so much more of life that you have left to give to this world and that you can use your experience to be able to empower and inspire others. And you're 100% doing that, Jennifer, in so many ways. I want to talk about what you're doing now. I want you to be able to share with everybody about your for-profit, your nonprofit. Let, let us know where you're at now and, and how that all came to fruition. So my first business, inspirationally speaking, that was started, I retired in April 2013. And by May or June, that was my official business up and going, that for-profit. And I knew that I want to be a motivational speaker and for people to take me seriously. I'm like, I could go under speaker bureaus, but I want to be able to have that control if I need to do something for free or be flexible in my fee to be able to do that. Mm. So that's hence inspirationally speaking. Because I'm a domestic violence survivor and thriver, I wanted to write my first book. Yes. Tomorrow, my sunshine will come. Memoirs of women who survived domestic violence. So I wrote and self-published that. But it not only has my story, but it has five other women who had the courage to share their story with me. And I will let your audience know, tomorrow, my sunshine will come. Five of those six, we experienced our abuse while serving in the military. So I wanted people to know, and that ended up being one of my platforms because domestic violence is like a dirty little secret that nobody wants to talk about. And when we think of our armed forces, we think strong, no weakness and bravery and everything else. But the domestic violence is happening right through the ranks in all branches. And for women, and even those who are experiencing, who are, are LGBTQ, it's hard to come forward. We suffer in silence because we don't want to show that weakness. So we just deal with it. And many times I know for me, I didn't even know what I was in. So 
domestic violence awareness became a platform for me. And in addition to me being a veteran. So on Veterans Day or October, so in November, October, I would be busy because domestic violence awareness and then being a veteran. Then I realized I have some leadership skills that I can pull on as well. I'm not a one trick pony. And I included leadership and team building into my repertoire of speaking. Then I was given an opportunity to have my own television show, Living Unshackled on Purpose, where I actually purchased paid programming slots on TV and would interview different people. So my show would come on Dish Network, Comcast, Verizon Fios, and all various other channels. I could even, you know, yeah, I could DVR my own show. I'm like, wow, there I am on TV. 2.3 million household reach in six different states. I don't know if all were watching, but that was it. But it was absolutely incredible. Once COVID happened, I switched to a virtual opportunity and television shows are costly. Yes. I also had the Unstoppable You Conference. So all of these platforms were under my for-profit. And Mary Kate, you may know that I didn't realize I was doing nonprofit causes under a for-profit business. In my mind, I'm just doing what God is calling me to do and to try and empower and impact people in a positive way. Mm -hmm. But in my conference, we were actually giving makeovers to homeless men and women. We would donate tickets to shelters and youth detention centers so that those students Mm -hmm. can be empowered and be exposed to an unstoppable atmosphere. But I was struggling financially to pay the bills because that was one thing that the military, they don't really teach you as far as if when you transition and you're an entrepreneur and you want to have these different events, you set your ticket sales and go for sponsorship and donations to pay for that. But I had such a a soft heart. I was doing a giving a lot of tickets for free, like to shelters and those type of organizations, because they don't put in their budget training opportunities for their clients. And I was starting to struggle, whatever. And here I am on a, a retired income, disability. So whatever I wasn't getting from ticket sales or in-kind donation was coming directly out of my pocket. But this Mm. conference was meaning so much to so many. So finally, it was suggested. And for over two years, people were saying, Jennifer, you really need to start a nonprofit. You really need to start a nonprofit. And I was like, no way. I got one business. I'm barely making that work. Not doing it. Two years. And then finally, it came to a head to where I was struggling financially to do these events. And I was like, okay. I don't want this to be an expensive hobby. Clearly, I need to rearrange some things, to rethink some things. I'll look into this because I'm like, I need a board, you know, just all the government bureaucrat stuff that you got to deal with. And I'm like, I don't want to babysit other people. And, you know, I'm a team of one. But being in the military, you're not a team of one. But when you transition into civilian, not everybody has that mindset. So in the military, you got that mission, you got that goal, you got that job. Okay, Johnny, you do this. 
all right, Sandy, you do this. All right, Jennifer, you do this. There's no poking and prodding for your colleagues in the military to get it done because if you want to go home at a decent time, you get out there and you turn those wrenches or you clean that plane or do whatever is necessary. In the civilian world, everybody is slow and relaxed and they're going to work as fast it, as they want to work. You can't, you can't make them go at your absolutely. speed. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has a job and nobody's trying to do any more, any less. And so that's the mindset I had in some of the experience. But when I started the Unstoppable United Ministries to officially be the nonprofit in 2017, it was one of the best decisions I made because now I'm able to get those donations because people like tax deductions. Mary Kay, I thought people would just give to me because I had such a beautiful winning smile. Yes. (laughs) But that's not the case. They like tax deductions. They like coming up the illegal official organization that they can come alongside and say, okay, I see what you're doing. You're making a difference. So yes, I have these two businesses. They're both thriving. So with the motivational speaking, I'm doing the best that I can there. And with the nonprofit, we provide services for those experiencing human trafficking, domestic violence, and homelessness. Mm. I would just love to just give awareness, educate, and make people aware of these three populations. Because then on the backside, I can reduce somebody having to come to my organization, needing help, needing that safety plan, needing in a crisis, needing shelter. Yes. So that's what Unstoppable You Ministries, that's what we do. That's what I, I love that you continue to give back and that you listened to this other calling for you and that the other people, the messengers around you that were like, Jennifer, do it, do it. I had a, a doctor of mine one time, an army doctor tell me, he's just like the, the sweetest man, God rest his soul. But he told me one time that if five strangers tell you to do the same thing, that you should probably do it. You know, and, and one of those for me is writing a book. I've had so many people tell me to write a book and I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth. I've already got all this other stuff going on. (laughs) Just like you said, same answers. And just knowing that there are people out there that need us, but we only need to pick one tiny piece of the pie. That problem that you're talking about is a problem that is happening all around the world, but you don't need to be trying to solve the world problem. You can just, you know, start out small, start out with what you can do and you start to grow up that network. And I think that's something that is important to highlight. You talked about, I love that you started off with saying when you retired, because it wasn't like, this is just something you started yesterday, or you got off the ground within your first 12 months of of retiring. This was something that you have worked so hard to develop and grow and surrounding yourself with the right people who are going to continue to help you thrive and help inspire you to to keep going. Because there are days that it's hard (laughs) to keep going, right? In the sense of with what we're doing, and it's much easier to throw in the towel, but we know there's people that depend on us. So mm-hmm. I really want listeners to be able to reach back out to you. You're an incredible mentor, inspiring woman, veteran person. I, I just, you know, love you lots. And I just want our listeners to be able to reach out to you. So how, what's the best way? Is it 
to for them to get a hold of you? And people are social media savvy. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Those are the three main social medias that I use. I do have a Twitter account, but I'm not on there a lot. So I would encourage people, especially from a professional perspective, have that LinkedIn account, reach out to me, follow uh, let's follow each other. Let's connect, send a message, and let's go from there building that relationship. That's what Mary Kate and I, that's what you and I did. I'm also yes. on Facebook and Instagram as well. If you're looking for my motivational speaking services yes, or anything dealing with that, reach out to me. My website for that is www.inspirationallyspeaking.com. You can email me, send a message, whatever you would like. And then for the nonprofit, if you have any questions, if you need any services or just want to know more, that website is www.unstoppableu, and that's Y-O-U-MinistriesInc.org. At the end of the day, if you can't remember anything else that I said, just Google Jennifer Foxworthy and I will be sure to come yes. up with my beautiful brown bubbly self. You'll see a headshot and then all these different businesses and social medias will come up. So again, if you can't figure out anything else, just Google Jennifer Foxworthy. And what about your book? Where can we find a book? Oh, good gracious. So tomorrow, my sunshine will come. Members of women who survived domestic violence. If you yes. want a personal autographed copy, I would encourage you to go to the Inspirationally Speaking website. I have mm -hmm. a page where people can purchase it. I'll get the notification. I'll autograph it personally to that purchaser and ship it directly to them. The book is also available on online distributors such as Amazon, Walmart.com, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Fantastic. All those different distributors, it's online. However, if you get it from them, you're not going to get that personal autograph copy. So you have to determine which one <laughs> you want. And the book is available ebook and paperback. So that's how you can get the published book, how you can reach out to me, whatever you need, I'm here for you. I love that. And it's just such a powerful story. And again, you're sharing your platform with other survivors and to be able to share their stories as well. And so I just love that you continue growing out this family and this community. And so if are there any last, any last parting words that you have for us today? Yeah. So under my nonprofit, if you happen to live in and around the York, Pennsylvania area, or just want to travel, I am hosting my 25th Unstoppable You conference within nine years. So the conference has been on tour since 2013. We've, I've taken it to 10 different states and thousands of people it has impacted it we give makeovers to homeless men and women we provide a safe environment for domestic violence human trafficking mm -hmm. juveniles who are caught in the justice system to attend this conference is for everyone from 12 
up to adult men, women, and teenagers. We have vendors there. We have presenters that will speak on financial literacy. I even have a powerful married couple that will be giving a marriage wellness presentation, overcoming adversity. I have somebody from YWCA speaking on human trafficking. So if you were looking to be empowered and you want to network with amazing people, get your early bird ticket now. Again, you can visit the Unstoppable You website or reach out to Mary Kate. She'll get you in touch with me. But I guarantee you don't want to miss this opportunity. Mary Kay, I'm hoping. And it's Saturday, November 5th from 10 to 3.30. So there's just so much available. But the fact that this has survived 25 conferences speaks volumes. Yes, absolutely. And that you have so many other voices that you're bringing to be able to share. And I absolutely love that you're willing to share your stage to just be able to to spread that love and kindness so much more. And thank you so much. On behalf of the entire team here at Veteran Voices, thank you, thank you, thank you. Veteran sister Jennifer Foxworthy, you're an incredible human being and just so grateful to know you. We invite all our listeners to find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And a big thanks to uh, Vets to Industry. Thank you so much for your support. And this is Mary-Kate Saliva wishing all of you and all of our listeners nothing but the best. Stay motivated, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we will see you next time. Thank you, everybody.